Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry once again bringing you the Word of God. Again, it is always an honor. I'm so grateful you're listening in, watching in, however it is you're connecting with us. Praise God. Once again, we're going to go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, please. We've been talking about the armor of God. Hallelujah. Today we're going to talk some more about it. We're going to talk about the helmet of salvation today. Verse 10, please. Let's go ahead and read through the text. Verse 10 of chapter 6 of Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Praise God. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, he says it again, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, to stand, therefore, amen, having gird your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, but you notice now, it didn't stop a sentence here. It just keeps going. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, which may be a key word today. Being watchful or awake or vigilant, another word for that, uh, to this end with all perseverance or all persistence, maybe another word here, and supplication for all the saints. So he's talking about here a prayer life. He's talking about really putting on the armor because you've got to fight and you're going into prayer. You've got to battle here. But you're not only fighting for yourself, you're fighting and supplicating for others, praise God. And, he says, for me. In other words, for those that are in leadership, those that are maybe uh, in authority in your life. Amen. Praying for all people here. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. In other words, pray for me that I'll be led by God and do the things I need to do. Praise God. Amen. Now, a lot of things said here, but let's keep in, te- in, um, peep, keep in context here that he's talking about putting on the armor of God. You notice it's God's armor. Put on the armor of God because why? You're going into battle. He makes it very clear in this text. You're going into battle. All right? And it's a prayer battle, okay, because you're called to pray not only for you and your family, but also, praise God, for others. Also for those maybe in authority, those that maybe have authorities in your life and things like that. So he's trying to, we're trying to make this real clear today, amen, as we have over the last several weeks, okay, the purpose of this armor, all right? So now let's back up verse 10, do a little bit of review, and then get into what we got for you today. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. In other words, be infused or empowered. Amen. Talks about, you know, being strengthened in, okay, being uh, strong in the Lord, which refers to really a submission to His Lordship. In the Lord is referring to um, a yielding unto, a submitting unto His Lordship. In other words, let Him lead. 
Let him guide. Let him direct. Amen. Uh, James uh, 4 and 7, we've used this pretty much every week. It just says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. But you notice it first starts with a submission to God, a yielding to God. Let God lead you. Amen. This first, this whole thing starts. If this is going to work, you're going to have to first and foremost be submitted to God, yield to God. Let God lead. Let God be God. Amen. It says be strong in the Lord and in the power, see, of His might, His ability. That word might actually means the ability to accomplish anything. Amen. So not only in His Lordship, but also in His power, His strength. His ability. Amen. Uh, So not only are we yielding to Him leading us and directing us and guiding us, but we're also yielding to His ability to get things done through us, in us, around us. Praise God. So again, it's just another way to say, listen, if we're going to do this, if we're going to let this or or make this work, you're going to have to first let God be the one to direct you and God be the one to empower you. All right? So this is so important. Then it goes on, put on the whole armor of God. Okay, he makes that real clear, the armor of God. Why? Well, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the scheming, the plotting, the manipulating, all right, the maneuvering that also means, but it's all about deceptive uh, works. He's Somehow he's trying to deceive, trying to manipulate, all right. We also talked about in this about the devices of the enemy, where it says don't be ignorant of the devices of the devil. Don't be ignorant of how he operates, okay? It's mental trips. It's mental mind games. It's all this uh, mental warfare that goes on. And the enemy is trying to somehow... Now, I'm I'm emphasizing this today because of where we're going today, okay? The, The enemy is always trying to play head games with us, okay? So put on the whole armor of God that you can deal with this, okay? You can take care of this battle. You can come out as a victorious one, a triumphant one, uh, a winner, so to speak, in this battle, all right? Put on the whole that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, all right? Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, which is so key, all right? Our fight is not with each other, but as I've tried to make this clear, Okay, because this comes up so vivid in this when you start looking at the armament. Okay, you cannot even let yourself be uh, a part of it. You can't let your flesh, you who you are, your ups and downs, your shortcomings, uh, you can't let you uh, be a problem here either. Your fight is not even with you. Your fight's not with any other, any other human being. Your fight's not even with you. All right? Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't, uh, human beings, others out there who maybe yield to the enemy, yield to uh, you know the enemy's plotting and scheming, and somehow as a result of it, it affects your life in a negative way. We're not taken away from that. But all I'm saying is, if you first and foremost understand that this battle that we're in, all right, we have one enemy, all right, that's trying to manipulate and control, all right. And you have to understand that nobody else is really going to be your problem. And you, yourself, are not your problem. All right? Doesn't mean that you don't have things that you have to work through or deal with. But you are not your problem. Okay? The enemy is behind all of it trying to manipulate and deceive. Okay? Now, you may be yielding to things 
that we may need to address and look at at times. All right, but understand who's the author of this mess. All right, that's what he's trying to bring out. Your fight is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, which just shows you different levels or different realms of demonic influence is all it is. And, of course, we took a little time and dissected that and defined that a little bit. But the point being made is it doesn't matter what level or what realm of demonic influence that we're talking about. It's all subject to the name of Jesus. It's all subject to the promises of God, the Word of God. It's all subject uh, to you as a child of God who walk in their authority and dominion, knowing who they are as a child of God, all right? So keep that in mind. But then it goes here in verse 13, again says, Now, therefore, take up that whole armor of God. He's trying to make it clear. Put on his armor, all right? Put the armor on, all right? That you may be able to withstand, or that word means to resist, okay, in the evil day, and having done all to stand, you stand therefore. Again, then he starts talking about the armament. Okay, I want to make it real clear again. We're talking about uh, the day, it says this evil day or a day of pressure is what it refers to. So every day there's times when the enemy might be coming at you. Some days maybe more so than other days. But understand that no matter what day we're talking about, you still stand your ground. You keep the armor on. You stand your ground as a child of God. You resist your enemy, okay, that no matter what's coming against you, no matter what angle he's coming at you with, you stand your ground as a child of God but you're going to do it with the armor on. But keep in mind, okay, that you're first and foremost being empowered by God for Him to lead you, guide you, direct you, and to empower you to do what you're called to do. If you will keep those things in mind, amen, you'll find that you will be victorious every time, all right? And that's the thing we want to emphasize. Then he starts talking about the armor. First thing he talked about was the belt of truth. All right, and we talked about that, about what it means to be real and, and sincere. No, no pretense, no facade, no pretending, okay? You're going to have to get real, okay? And the reason he starts with that is because that's the enemy's game. The enemy is the one that plays a facade. The enemy is the one that has hidden agenda. The enemy is the one that manipulates and sneaks around and tries to portray something that is not. He's the liar. He's the deceiver, all right? So you can't go into this doing the same thing. You can't go into this thing playing some game, okay, because uh, now you're doing is playing with his tactics, and you're going to lose every time because he's going to have the upper hand on you. So we talked about the importance of first putting on that belt of truth. Then it was the breastplate of righteousness. The word righteous in itself means rightness or right standing with, justified, justification. These are all the same Greek word, all right? And the, to understand that you put the breastplate on that covers the vitals. Understand the fact that you're in right standing with God, not based on anything that you did or haven't done, but based on what Christ has done for you on behalf of you, praise God. The price was paid, making you, amen. The word says he took everything upon himself, even sin itself, amen, that you might be made the righteousness of God. And that this righteousness, now remember, it's his righteousness, it's his armor, put on his armor, put on his righteousness, praise God, amen. You're in right standing with him because of what he's done, amen, that no matter what's happened yesterday, 
yesteryear, yesterdecade, praise God. You don't have to yield to shame, guilt, condemnation, inferiority. You have to understand that those are just ploys of the enemy to try to keep you captive and keep you down. All right? Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Amen. Walk in who you are in a place of right standing based on what Christ has done. Then we talked about the shoes of peace. And really, we uh, really took the time to kind of dissect that and uh, define all that. And uh, basically, bottom line is, it's about taking ground. You know, if you put the shoes of peace on, you're called to take ground and to put your foot on the neck of the enemy, all right? That's what the shoes are about. Now, also says the gospel of peace. It's talking about peace, the shoes of peace. Well, what is it about? Well, peace is about wholeness. It's about completeness. It's about bringing everything into divine order. It literally means to bring back at one, which means to bring things to the way they're supposed to be, the way God designed them to be. Amen. Now, how do you do that? Well, part of that is to drive out chaos. And that's one of that word, that word peace. When peace, the peace of God is on the scene, it drives back chaos. Like when Jesus said, peace, be still to the storm. What it did is it brought divine order and drove out chaos. Amen. That's what we're called to do every day of our life. You put on those shoes of peace. You take ground. Amen. You keep your foot on the neck of the enemy. You keep order where there needs to be order, and you drive out the chaos. Now, you think about all this in the area of this coming into prayer. You're praying for your family. You're praying for your loved ones. You're praying for those around you, your leaders, all that. What are you trying to do here? Well, you're coming in with a message, amen, so to speak, or you're coming in with a purpose. Might even be a better way to say it. A purpose to bring order. Amen. In the spirit first, praise God. We're bringing in order, driving out chaos. We're put on the shoes of peace, praise God. And then last week, praise God, we talked about the shield of faith. And that shield of faith is there to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. All right? It makes it very clear where these fiery darts are coming from. And we talked about where primarily it's dealing with thoughts. It's talking about Doubt, unbelief, and primarily fear, because pretty much all of it is going to be fear-based thoughts. So we took some time. We talked about maybe the different types of fear that you see in the Word of God and what that means to you and me as a child of God and how we take authority, amen, as we come into prayer with our armor on in this, in this text, in this text, actually have that shield of faith up that no matter what kind of fear tactic the enemy is trying to put on us, Okay, and we talked about several things like the fear of the unknown, uh, the, the fear of failure, the fear of men, okay, just things like that. The fear of death, which is kind of the granddaddy of them all, and how the enemy uses that to control and dictate. Well, when you stand your ground in resisting a, uh, your enemy in the area of prayer, understand that you uh, that shield of faith is there to keep all that stuff back. Because when you yield to fear, all that happens is now is it begins to modify how you make decisions. Pretty soon now, all of a sudden, you're hesitant when you shouldn't be. You're, you're hasty when you shouldn't be. You're, all your decision-making becomes kind of uh, muddied and, and, and confusing, all right? And that's what fear does. That's what fear is meant to do, all right? So that's why you got to eliminate fear. Now, remember we brought this out last week. You don't manage fear. You eliminate fear, all right? Because you can't manage bondage. The scriptures are so clear 
that anytime fear is present, there's going to be bondage. Okay, it is so clear. We as uh, children of God, as a child of God, as an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ, amen, we have no business yielding to any kind of fear. All right, you drive fear out. You take authority of it. We don't manage bondage. We eliminate bondage. All right, so that was something we really focused on last week. This week now, you get down here into verse 17, and it says, take the helmet of salvation. That's the next one, the helmet of salvation. Now, child of God, hallelujah, I hope you got an ear to hear this today. Uh, I'm kind of excited about this one, hallelujah. So, again, verse 17 here, take the helmet of salvation. Now, let's define this real quick before we really get too far into this. The word take here. Uh, it, it, of course, you know, you kind of look at it as take, you're grabbing something, receiving something, but it means to accept something, okay? To receive or accept something. It implying, okay, the implication is that there's a choice here, a choice to be made. Now, we could probably say that about every piece of armament, okay, that there's a choice whether you're going to put it on or not. Okay, that's your choice. But he makes it real clear uh, with, uh, with this uh, piece of armament, all right? Take the helmet of salvation. The word helmet means an encirclement. It means to, the taking hold of the head or the seizing of the head. That's what the helmet means. So you're taking hold of the head or seizing the head. Okay, now listen. It's your choice, okay, whether you're going to take hold of this or not. Now listen, okay. Then it says the helmet of salvation, okay. Now the word salvation itself, a lot of times you see it in, in English in a lot of places. You know, and we refer to it maybe as a born-again experience per se. Uh, there's a lot of different words for it, depending on how it's used in a sentence. There's the word saved or salvation, uh, Greek word sozo, uh, S-O-Z-O, or soteria, S-O-T-E-R-I-A is another word. But it means, of course, wholeness in the sense of healing, uh, preservation in that sense. Um, it means salvation as a safety. Uh, born, it refers to that born-again experience. It doesn't just include the born-again experience. It goes beyond that. But this particular word is not that word uh, soteria. It's the word soterion. It's a different Greek word, okay? So I have to just kind of clarify that. This Greek word here means a defense, to defend or a defender. It means to defend or preserve, okay? To pretend, or probably to, uh, to defend or preserve something to defend or preserve. So what it's talking about here now, and you put this all in, in context, it's talking about making a quality decision to control the mind, to defend the mind. Okay? Now he says, put on the armor of God. So the helmet of salvation is the helmet of the armor of God, right? Okay, so in other words, it's, it's putting on his helmet. So what he's trying to say here is you, you're the one, see, you have to take hold of this. You have to put this on. You have to take the mind of Christ, we could say. You have to take the helmet of the armor of God and put it on because you can't be, you know, you can't let your way of thinking get involved here. Now, I'm kind of jumping ahead here a little bit. You, your way of thinking sometimes can mess things up. We got to have his mind. See, we got to put on his helmet. Amen, because it's not only, it's, it's not just 
just to protect you from a head wound. It's talking about, see, protect the mind, okay, because the mind wants to race. Sometimes the mind is what gets us in trouble sometimes. Now, just hang on to that, okay, and let's, let's look at this. So uh, what we're going to do first, we're going to go Colossians chapter 3, please. Colossians 3, verse 2, it just says, set the mind or set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. Okay, well, we've used that a lot. A lot of times when you're talking about the mind and where your mind is, about, we're going to talk about the placement of your mind. Okay, so you have to purpose. It's, it's your, in a sense, your responsibility or we could say you're accountable, maybe it might be a better word, in the placement of your mind, where you're going to set your mind, okay? You know, are you going to set your mind on things above, the things of, of God, the things of the Spirit, or are you going to set your mind on things of this earth, natural things, fleshly things, natural things? Uh, another words for that we're going to see here in a minute, all right? So he's saying here, here you got to guard where you place your mind, all right? Now, that's <clears throat> that's definitely fits into this, okay, but I'm just, I'm just going to kind of build here a little bit. If we go now to Romans, Romans 8, hallelujah, and of course, I always say how much I enjoy Romans 8, hallelujah, Romans 8, please, <clears throat> hallelujah, now you you determine where you're going to set your mind, in fact, let me give you, define that, it's probably a good idea. The word set, to set your mind, means to aim your mind, to aim the affection or the attention of, all right? It means literally to exercise, entertain, or interest the mind. Or it also uses words like to be mindful. It's the same, uh, same Greek word as the word set. So we're talking about setting your mind. It means to be mindful of something. But you're entertaining the mind. You're setting your mind. You're aiming your mind on certain things. This particular uh, text is even what we're going to see here in Romans 8. It's about determining where you're going to set your mind, all right? Now, let's read it because I'm trying to build something here, okay? Verse 5 and 6, it says this, okay? <clears throat> For those who live or conduct life, their actions, their behaviors, that kind of thing, those who live according to the flesh or the natural, okay, it's talking about the natural realm, the natural, okay? Those who live according to the natural, the reason they do it is because they've set their mind, there's that same word again, same thing, set their mind on the things of the flesh. In other words, if you set your mind on natural things, you begin to live according to it. Now keep that in mind. Okay, then it says, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. In other words, they've set their mind on the things of the Spirit. Now what he's saying here is that we live, get this now, we live according to the things we set our mind on. Whatever we set our mind on determines how you're going to conduct life, how you're going to live, how you're going to walk things out, uh, how you're going to, uh, you know, step, step your steps, okay, where you're going, how you're going to go, what you're going to say, what you're going to do, your behavior, okay, all these things, your decision-making, a lot of it's going to be based on where you set your mind. In fact, Proverbs 23 and verse 7, a common text, but it just says, as a man thinks, so he becomes. As a man, you know, thinks, amen, so he exists. So he begins to walk it out. He becomes what he begins to set his mind on. Now, those are all necessary to understand here, okay? Here's a common phrase, okay, that I've used, okay, over the years, that we never, you and me, we never live beyond our most predominant thoughts. 
What you're thinking about the most is how you're going to begin to live and conduct life. See, we never live beyond our most predominant thoughts. We're not saying about those casual things that sometimes bump in and bump out. Sometimes, you know, take authority, cast it down. We're, not, we're talking about this stuff that you, you keep thinking about. Where you begin to set your mind determines how you're going to live. Now, that's good or bad. Now, hang on to that, okay? That's good or bad. In other words, as the thoughts, you sit, you predominant thoughts come. Here comes the words. Here comes the actions that start following. Pretty soon, it's a lifestyle. Next thing you know, it's effects, it's results, it's outcome. And that's how this whole thing builds. See, we never live beyond our most predominant thoughts. Now, I'm going to shift gears with that. Okay, I said all that to, to get to this point. Okay, we never pray beyond our most predominant thoughts. Now, I'm throwing that out. I'm kind of, it's kind of one of those things that kind of shake something loose here, okay? Because our prayer life is going to be dependent on what we give our attention to. All right? Now, listen, we never pray beyond our most predominant thoughts. We pray according to the things that we set our mind or aim our mind on, okay? That's going to make more sense as we get into this, all right? See, being naturally minded, in other words, if our mind is set on natural things, okay, we begin to live according to it. Now, get a hold of this because verse 6 then says this, to be carnally minded or naturally minded or fleshly minded is death. In other words, that's where it leads to. To be spiritually minded, okay, your mind set more on the things of the spirit or the spirit way of doing things, it says then that you'll live, okay, in life and peace. That's what you're going to, that's the road you're going to get on, life and peace, okay? Now, hang on to that because that's how, if you, you set your mind on these things, it determines how you're going to live. It also determines how you're going to pray. Because if we're constantly moved by how things look, or we're constantly moved by what people say, or we're constantly moved by how we feel, then it's going to affect, somehow it's going to determine the effectiveness of your prayer life. Now, you're going to go to battle, and if the enemy is somehow, you know, created certain problems that you're focused on, it may determine now how you pray. And see, if you don't keep the helmet of salvation on, you don't protect where your mind goes, you don't put that on and put the mind of Christ on, so to speak. You don't put, if you don't put his helmet on, what's going to happen is the enemy will steer you and, and direct you everywhere. He'll create all kinds of little squirmishes, little problems, and you'll just run around your whole prayer life doing nothing but putting out little spot fires. But if you're led by the Spirit, I'm telling you, you can be more effective in your prayer life because you'll find out that you're more apt to get to the root of the problem instead of wasting our time going around putting out all these spot fires. I hope that's making sense to you. I'm going to show you some references on this, all right? All right. So to be, to be naturally minded is going to limit our prayer life, but to be spiritually minded, you're more apt to be spirit-led in how you pray. In fact, a reference on this in, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, it says this, for though we walk in the flesh, in other words, though we live and conduct life in the natural, he says our war, it says, is not according to the flesh. In other words, we don't war according to the flesh. Or to, yeah, according to the flesh. We war according to the spirit. Now, I might get to that text a little later, 
But the bottom line is that there's a way to war. And if you're, if you're uh, going to war according to the flesh, you're going to be limited every time. But if you war according to the Spirit, you're more apt to get things done. So when he says put on the helmet of salvation, this is what he's talking about. Amen. Don't let your mind be given over to everything that's happening, what's, what, how it looks and what people say. Amen. You've got to be led by the Spirit on how you're going to deal with things. Otherwise, you, you may never, this will explain a lot of things sometimes. You're sitting out here putting out all these spot fires and never deal with the root of the problem. And you'll find that the enemy, you know, he still goes on and keeps raining havoc in your life or in your family, in your business, your finance, your health. We can go on and on and on. Uh, your, your, your community and on and on it goes. Uh, just because, you know, nobody really, has taken the time to be led by the Spirit in, their er in the area of resistance. And remember, again, it goes way back to the beginning. Submit first, right, to God, right? Let God lead you. Amen. Submit to God. Amen. Resist the devil and he'll flee, right? Amen. Let God be the one to direct you and guide you. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, let's look a little bit further on here in, in Romans 8. It says, now, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, it fights and wars against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Now, the law of God is just about the principles or the ways of God or how God's trying to do things here. He's saying, listen, if you're going to be constantly, uh, you know, carnally minded, in other words, because of the fact that you've set your mind just on natural things, you set your mind on how it looks, what people are saying, how you feel, how your neighbor feels, okay, uh, the, 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 the problem at home uh, with the child or the, the health issue, or whatever, and you constantly are meditating on that, thinking on that, what's going to happen is God's going to try to lead you and guide you and direct you, and you're not going to pick up on it. It says, isn't that amazing? It says the carnal mind is enmity. It fights against God. God's trying to lead you. So what he's saying in context is we got to be, we got to have a spirit. We're going to be spirit-minded, not fleshly-minded, not natural-minded. Okay? Now, I know I'm kind of I'm taking my time with this, but I'm doing it on purpose. Okay? If you kind of now, you begin to let this build, amen, you get now into verse, let's say, 14 now, based on everything he's been saying and, of course, we ain't got the time to go through all of this. But verse 14 now, he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. So he's talking about being led by the Spirit. Okay, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And weos means mature one. So, in other words, the more mature your, I could say it this way, your maturity level might be based on how well you're going to be led by God. That's just a fact. But here it says, talking about being led by the Spirit. So he's talking about, you know, having a mind, being mind, you know, a mind, a spirit mind versus a flesh mind or natural minded, all right? So you can be led by the Spirit. Now let this build because remember, the armor of God in context is dealing with warfare that you enter into when you go into prayer. When you go into prayer or your time 
of, of communion there, and you're, you're getting quiet before God, and you're having to deal with things maybe in the, in the unseen realm, okay, whether you're making your declaration of faith or whether you're actually in prayer or you're somehow making your, you know, your area of resistance in them, no matter how and how, no matter how you're doing that, okay, understand this. That armor is there for you to resist your enemy. But in order for this to work right, you're going to have to have every piece intact. That's why it says, put on the whole armor of God. Or you're going to come up short. I think if you remember, I, I might have used this maybe in the first week, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe it was uh, second week in there, but I made the comment that if there's no armor, you're just an easy target for the enemy. And then with every kink in the armor, in other words, with every piece that maybe you're missing or you don't have on right or whatever or don't have an awareness of, it means vulnerability to the enemy. I don't know if you remember that or not, but to me I think it fits right here. You know, if you're not putting on the armor, you're automatically an easy target for the enemy. Or if you're, maybe you're unaware of the importance of each piece, you could be vulnerable to the enemy. All right? And this piece he's talking about, the helmet of salvation, put this on so you could be spirit-minded, or we could say spirit-led. All right? Now you get down here. We're in Romans still. You get Romans 8. You get down to like verse 26. Let's look at this, verse 26. All right. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, I believe it primarily he's talking about praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, because he's talking about this word groanings which cannot be uttered. That means inarticulate speech. So he's talking about praying in a different language, so to speak. But I'm not I'm not necessarily going to focus on that. I'm trying to show you the importance of the Spirit leading you. Okay, that's what I'm trying to bring out here. Okay, now he who searches, verse 27, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Then it goes on, and we know then, right, that all things are working together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, talking about those that are devoted unto him and those willing to be led by his design. In other words, do what he's leading you to do. Amen. That's what it's talking about. But in context, you can't have verse 28 without understanding verses 26 and 27. And if you want all things to work out, then you're going to have to let, you're going to, have to let the Spirit of God help you. If we're, if we're just going to be naturally minded, and not spiritually minded, we're not going to be led by the Spirit. We're, we're less apt to be led by the Spirit. I'll say it that way. Okay, We're less apt to have uh, prayer effectiveness uh, if, if we're not being uh, Spirit-minded. All right, If we're going to be naturally minded, you're going to constantly be led by every little thing that's going on around you instead of letting God direct and lead you. So what happens is, okay, you're going you're to come up short somewhere, all right? You're going to extend a lot of energy, time, effort, and may not get the results that you desire to get. Now, let's look at this again. It says, uh, verse 26 again, likewise, the Spirit also helps, okay? He's the helper. Jesus made that clear. You get into uh, the Gospel of John. 
you know, chapter 12 through basically chapter 16, 17, many times there he refers to the Spirit of God being a helper, a comforter, a strengthener, a standby. We can go on and on where the Spirit is there to help. He shows you things to come, bring things to your remembrance, reveals truth, okay, walks you through things. See, He's there to help you. The Spirit of God is there to help you, all right? And it says, and it helps you in your weaknesses. Now, that word weakness just means an inability. Now, get this, an inability to produce a right result. So he's saying that in yourself, you have an inability to produce a right result. Now, you may once in a while stumble across something. Once in a while, you know, you might, you know, might hit something that's great and get a great uh, thing, you hit it right, great, praise the Lord, that's great. We're not, we're, we're, we rejoice with you in that, but we're not called to kind of roll the dice, so to speak, and have a hit and miss uh, uh, life of prayer. We're called to hit the mark every time, get things done so you walk in success and victory every day of your life. And so you have to understand that in yourself, there's inabilities to produce a right result. Jesus himself said, I can of myself do nothing. But as I hear the Father, that's what I say. As I see the Father do, that's what I do. So he shows you the importance of the fact that even in himself, he has to lean on God, the Spirit of God, to lead him, guide him, and direct him. And he even went on to say in John 15 that you too, amen, can do nothing without him. Amen. He's there to empower you, show you, lead you, guide you, amen, strengthen you so you can bear the fruit you're called to bear, praise God, and get the results you're called to get. Oh, hallelujah. whole nother sermon there, but the bottom line is, amen, it's about letting the Spirit of God help, amen, hallelujah. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do, I love this, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, okay, then it goes on, makes it, in other words, helps you in that. Doesn't mean that you don't know how to pray, you know, as, as a whole. He's talking about that you may not know what you need to pray for. In other words, there's situations going on, and you're over here fixing this and fixing that and fixing this, and the whole time the Spirit of God is trying to lead you toward the root of the problem to deal with all of it. And you're sitting over here spending, you know, a half hour trying to pray this thing through, and not seeing the results you want to get because the Spirit of God says, this is where you need to deal with. This is what you need to attack. This is where the enemy is getting uh, or taking place right now. This is where the enemy's winning. This is where you have to attack. Amen. So we're talking about putting on the whole armor of God, put on the helmet of salvation is his helmet. So you think like he thinks. Amen. So you can do warfare like he does warfare. I hope that made sense. Amen. Let's look at something. I'm going to go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, please. Hallelujah. Common text, but I want you to see this in the light of what we've been talking about here. All right, Matthew 16. Now, I'm going to read the whole story here, but the last verse, I'll maybe just toss this out. And then I'm going to go back up and read it all through. Jesus, of course, uh, in verse 23, is rebuking uh, Peter. And he says, you know, get behind me, for you are an offense to me, for you're not mindful 
of the things of God, but the things of men. In other words, you, in this particular case right here, he's got his mindset on the wrong thing. So now, okay, here he is now getting a rebuke, okay, which isn't fun, okay? So let's keep in mind now, let's go back here to verse 16. Let's read this whole thing through a little bit and then kind of see this in the light of, of the whole story here. Uh, actually, I'm going to go to verse, uh, verse 13. I'm sorry, chapter 16, verse 13. It says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, what's the talk out there? What's everybody saying out there? Okay, what's, you know, everybody's seeing things, hearing things. And, you know, naturally speaking, he says, they're all going to have certain opinions, their reasonings. They're going to think a certain way. And so people just, you know, he says, well, some say, uh, you know, John the Baptist, you know, reincarnate, you know, or something, or Elijah or Jeremiah, one of the prophets. See, sometimes they, you know, it's how people kind of start thinking. So then he said this, but who do you say that I am? In other words, let's get right down to the nitty gritty. Let's find out what you're thinking here. Okay. Now, of course, <clears throat> Peter pipes up, which kind of a lot of times he does, okay? But this time he gets it right, right? So he says, well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, in fact, if you kind of look at this as a whole and as you're studying this, you see there's such an excitement that rises up on him that, you know, he sees something that maybe maybe up to that moment he hadn't seen before because Jesus is kind of getting real with him, okay? This is what everybody else is saying, and we know that's not accurate, but that's the reasoning because naturally speaking, that's how they think. So he says, I'm going to check you out. Where's your head right now? Okay, what are you thinking? Well, he, you know, pipes up, says, you're the Christ, the son of a living God. Well, Jesus answers, basically gives him the pat on the back, but he says this, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood. In other words, natural things isn't what revealed that to you. And this word revealed literally means to pull back the cover and see it. It's to expose something so you can actually see it. So he says what, you know, flesh and blood didn't, didn't reveal that to you. But he said uh, the Father did, right? But my Father who is in heaven revealed that to you. In other words, by the Spirit, he showed you something. And Jesus understood this because this is how Jesus walked, how he conducted ministry. See, God would show him things. That's what he'd do. God would say things. That's what he'd say. And he said, when I did that, it worked. All right? So God now is showing Peter something that he hadn't seen before, that he literally is the Christ, the anointed one, amen, the son of the living God. Amen. So this, this thing's pretty real now. All right? He gets the pat on the back, and he says this in verse 18. This is Jesus talking to him. He said, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church in the gates of Hades, shall not prevail against it, all right? So he says, uh, you know, on this on this rock, this revelation that you heard, okay? Now, we would, a lot of times would take a lot of time and talk about that whole revelation there, but we want to get to the point of what we're dealing with here, okay? And that is by the Spirit, Peter saw something by the Spirit. It's a different ballgame when you see something by the Spirit, okay? And he says this, that what you saw now, that the gates of hell or Hades can't prevail against it. In other words, what you got right now is something that's going to drive back darkness. Darkness can't stop it. Now, hang on. Then he goes, and I will give you, this is verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind 
Now we're talking about this. Now we're now we're talking about authority and dominion. We're talking. We can get into this our time of prayer of walking and standing and resisting our enemy. Listen, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he's talking about this thing that's been revealed by the Spirit of God to you that He showed you is something now that hell itself can't stand against. And now you take that and you begin to bind what needs bound and loose what needs loosed, and all of heaven backs you up. Now you think about that in the light of everything we've been talking about today. If we're not being led by the Spirit of God, but instead we're more naturally minded, when we go into an area of resistance of the enemy, you're going to be hit and miss on what you're going to get done. But if you're going to let the Spirit of God lead you and you're going to be spiritually minded, you have that helmet of salvation on, you're more apt to think as He thinks. You're going to have the mind of Christ when it comes time to what you're dealing with, when it comes time to your resistance of the enemy. And now, and see, that means that hell itself can't prevail against it. But now think about what if you're not being led. Maybe you're just, you know, being more moved by natural things. Well, maybe you're going into prayer. Maybe it's going to be something that enemy could prevail against. It's just a thought. But you need to understand that this is why a lot of times we don't see the results that we should see when it comes time to our resistance of the enemy, it comes time to our prayer life. And again, I'm not being critical of anybody. I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to go into prayer, why not get things done? Why not come out of that time of prayer with some results? Amen. And again, don't get, you know, don't, don't get, uh, you know, down with the preacher man here. Amen. Because we're talking about it's a simple thing. Sometimes it's just a matter of put the helmet on. Get your mind set on the right things. Let the Spirit of God lead you in things. Amen. Let the Spirit of God lead you. Let the Spirit of God help you. Amen. Because you may not know what you should pray for as you ought, but the Spirit does. You may have an inability to produce a right result, but the Spirit can take that place, amen, and empower you so the weakness, the inability is no longer there. Praise God. It goes on then, if you kind of skip down here now, you know, Jesus begins to talk to him. Uh, maybe I'll just jump into like 21, I think here. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. The elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. It says, Peter took him aside now and began to rebuke him. So obviously, he's not seeing the right thing. He's sitting there now a minute ago. He said the right thing. Obviously, something was revealed. He had his mind in the right place. Now he doesn't. He does not because it says here he rebuked Jesus and said, "This isn't going to happen to you." That's why Jesus said, "Get behind," said to him, "Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men." Now keep that in mind of everything we're talking about. Now I understand there's a lot more to this story. I get it. All right, we could talk about you know mindset. Where we could go into all of that, talk about renewing the mind. All we can go all that and deal with all that. The point I'm trying to make here is how easy it is to where we could, you know, either be led by the Spirit or just led by natural things. Okay, and in this case, being led by the natural thing, all it got him was a rebuke. But when he was led by the Spirit of God, when he had the mind of Christ and God was able to reveal something and show him something, he gets the pat on the back. 
actually, and in context of this, shows you the authority and dominion that you have, amen, when you know who you are, amen, and you're led by the Spirit doing what you're called to do, amen. It's amazing how it affects that. I want to show you another reference here. In uh, Let's go to Mark 9. Oh, child of God, I hope you're hearing this. You know, another um, reference uh, that I think about sometimes is out of Proverbs 14 and 12. And um, it, just, it just basically says this, that there's a way that seems right unto a man. But it ends up in uh, the way of death. In other words, it doesn't go any place you want to go to. But it seems right. See, what we're talking about here, um, it's dangerous to just be led by natural things because you're going to be led by what seems right. Well, what if it isn't right? Now, again, I'm going to say this. There might be times you hit it. You may see it. You may know it. You bang. But there might be times if you're not really being led by the Spirit, you're just going based on what seems right. So you're going to go over here and you're going to deal with this and say this and quote this and uh, uh, you know bind this and loose that. And you may not be getting the results you need to because you're too busy being led by what seems right instead of by what is right. That's why it's so important put on the helmet of salvation, the armor of God. Let God grab the mind of God, the mind of the Spirit, praise God. Amen. Don't let your mind be the thing that limits you, praise God, when it comes time to your effectiveness in prayer. Again, another story here, all right? So, I'm, again, Mark 9. Oh, hallelujah. Hope you're getting this. We're wrapping her up here. Mark 9, verse 14. It says, when Jesus came uh, to the disciples, it says, I mean, uh, 9.14 of Mark, he saw a great multitude around him and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when he saw him, uh, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, uh, greeted him. And when he asked his, uh, the scribes, what, what are you discussing? Uh, with them, uh, it says that one of the crowd then came up, which was the father of this boy here, uh, came and answered, "Teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit, and whoever and, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So that I so that I spoke to your disciples that they may cast it out, but they could not. Now keep that in mind. He's asked the disciples to pray. Now they they obviously did, and it said they couldn't." They couldn't cast it out. They couldn't deal with it. Okay? Remember, this boy is going into seizures is what it is. Now, hang on to that. This father, as we're going to find out here, this boy's been in this condition for a while, and the father's very aware of what's happening. This happens very, very often. Verse 19, so Jesus then answered him and said, Oh, faithless and gener- and, and oh, pardon me, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I bear with you? How long shall I... Or how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? There we go. Sorry about that. Uh, bring him to me. And they brought him to him, and he saw him immediately, uh, or when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. So here he goes now. He's going back into a seizure, and he fell on the ground, wallowing, foaming at the mouth. Now Jesus asked his father, while this is going on now, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Okay, so it clarifies. And then he goes back into the story. And often he has thrown him both into the fire, into the water to destroy him. And then he says this, but if you can do anything, here we go, have compassion on us and help us. All right, so he's saying here, all right, 
He's being more moved by what he's seeing. He's saying, if you can do anything. Jesus said this, if you can believe. So Jesus is saying, listen, it's not about how I'm thinking. This is about how you're thinking. So if you can believe, all things are going to be possible to him who believes. So immediately the father then cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, because that was the problem. Okay, how you're, you're thinking here is wrong. You're believing wrong. If your thinking's wrong, your believing's going to be wrong. All right, now listen, okay? Okay, so obviously Jesus saw the people that came running together, and he rebuked the unclean spirit, amen, saying to it, now listen, this is what Jesus did. He dealt with it. Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. So he handled it. And then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many uh, many said he is dead, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he rose. And when he had come into the house, uh, his disciples then asked him and said, why could we not cast him out? So obviously they did pray, and they didn't get the same results. Now Jesus, in this text, he says, he said, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. A lot of times that gets misunderstood. But if you go back into Matthew 17 and verse 20, he makes it real clear first. He says, because of your unbelief. And then he says, but this comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Okay, but first, it's by your unbelief. In other words, you got, you know, it's your way of thinking. And that word unbelief also means disbelief. Okay, so why is that? Well, the boy began to go into a seizure right there in front of him. It freaked him out. He did the same thing in front of Jesus. Jesus wasn't moved by it. Jesus asked the father a question, okay, got his answer, just showing you the coolness of, of him, and here he is, okay, he, until he got a leading from God what to do, and well, he obviously got his leading, he cast out, he addressed that spirit, he cast it out, and it was gone, okay? Somebody say, well, what, what did, what, what's this prayer and fasting? Well, it's talking about a consecrated life. Now, it wasn't just the fact of praying in itself, because if that was the case, the disciples would have got results when they prayed over this young boy. So he's talking about something else. He ain't talking about just, just, you know, once in a while praying. He's talking about a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, which is talking about a lifestyle of consecration. Okay, where you learn not to be so moved by natural things, but to be led by the Spirit. And this is what it's talking about. You can't let yourself yield to how things are in the natural you got to take authority over that, amen, and take dominion over that. And the only way that's going to work right is if you put on the, the helmet of salvation, the armor of God, amen, get the mind of God in this thing. And then, as we talked about before, as you submit yourself to God, now resist the enemy and he will flee. This all starts making sense. So the helmet of salvation is about getting his mind, amen, not your mindset, but his mindset, amen, the thought of the, or I probably should say, the mindset of the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit to get the job done so that the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that whatever you bind is bound, whatever you loose is loose, praise God, amen, hallelujah. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians, amen, that we, even though we walk in the flesh and we live here on planet Earth, we're still called to war by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And you're going to have to learn how to keep every thought in check, praise God. Keep the mind of Christ, amen, in everything we do, and especially when it comes time to getting into prayer 
and taken authority over, the, over darkness. Oh, I hope you got something today. Hallelujah. Father, I give you praise and glory for this people. Thank you, Lord God, they had an ear to hear, a heart to receive. Thank you, Lord God, for opening the eyes of our understanding. Praise God. Hallelujah. And we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor for all of it. And for that, hallelujah, we give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Child of God, I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.